What's up? This is Jonathan Smith, your host here at Shooting the Schmidt. I hope you're having a fantastic day. Usually Wednesdays are filled with basketball, not this one with Thanksgiving football and everything coming up over the weekend, rivalry weekend included for college football. It's going to be all college football since there's no podcast on Friday. If you want some basketball content, hit the link below. It'll take you to my Substack where there is plenty of NBA stuff on there. Without further ado, let's get to the podcast. Here we go. the pod with the NFL slate starts tomorrow Thanksgiving Day happy Thanksgiving haven't said that to you quite yet but before we get to the games that start tomorrow we have to go back to Monday Night Football what feels like the only big Monday Night Football game we've really had this year obviously it's a Super Bowl rematch Eagles Chiefs Eagles beat the Chiefs 21 to 17 what a game uh quite an interesting game I think coming into it people were really excited about the quarterbacks and the fireworks we were hoping to see from Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes and we got anything but fireworks from them Hurts was 14 to 22 for 150 yards and an interception Mahomes was 24 for 43 by far his worst game of the year for 177 yards with two touchdowns and an interception neither quarterback played great which I think speaks more to the defense that was played rather than the actual quarterbacks um, instead of their individual performances. I thought the Eagles did a really good job of pressuring Mahomes. Anytime you look up and you see that Mahomes is scrambled six times and he's the second-leading rusher for the Chiefs, you're doing what you want to do. Do you like it when Mahomes escapes pressure and sacks and things like that and turns it into a positive gain? Of course not, but you would much rather him run the ball six times than sit back there and throw dimes to you know, Kelsey or Kadarius Tony, who I thought was awesome. You know, he had a couple carries as well beside the receptions. I thought Kadarius Tony played really well. The punt return as well was really big. But yeah, so I thought the Eagles did a good job of getting pressure on Mahomes. Jalen Hurts was sacked five times, which is really impressive. I thought that the Chiefs did a great job of staying in their lanes while they rushed. I thought that they blot blitz packages at, at the right time. I mean Sperano was just he was on it. He was on his game on Monday night. And it was really impressive. And I thought that the secondaries covered well. A.J. Brown only had one reception for the Eagles. Devontae Smith had a much better day. But either way, when you're, when you're able to get after Jalen Hurts like that and you're able to cover A.J. Brown that well and you're playing the Eagles, you're going to give yourself a chance to win on the defensive side of the ball. Now let's get to the takeaways that I have from this game. These are the two best teams in the NFL. I don't think it can be denied. They're both extremely complete on both sides of the ball. I got to be honest, though. The Chiefs are the best team in the NFL. I think walking away from Monday night, my biggest takeaway is the Chiefs are better than the Eagles. Okay, They had two uncharacteristic turnovers in the red zone, and that is why they lost. And look, I know talking to just some Chiefs fans and just some different people, there's been some complaining about the receivers dropping a few balls here and there. Fair enough. Did that happen? Yes. If those balls are caught, do they win? I don't know. Maybe. But I can guarantee you that if they don't turn the ball over twice in the red zone, they probably do win. Okay, the interception thrown by Mahomes was bad. I just I don't know if he just didn't see Kevin Byard or what happened. I don't know if he misread the coverage pre-snap. I don't know. But that's a bad interception. It can't happen. Travis Kelsey can't fumble the ball in the red zone. Can't happen. Can't happen. Okay, 
like I said, if those two turnovers in the red zone don't happen, the Chiefs probably pull out a win because the Eagles are really good. There's a reason why they're 9-1. and one. And you aren't going to beat the Eagles if you turn it over twice in the red zone. It's just not going to happen. Now, let's get to the NFL slates, everything going on. We'll start it off with my picks, and then we'll run through, and we can look at the rest of the games going on Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. Can't wait. It is. There's so much football going on this weekend. I cannot wait. So Thanksgiving, as I said, means football every day from Thursday through Monday. we got three NFL games tomorrow. We've got a, a Black Friday game now, which is going to be awesome. We've got college football rivalry weekend on Saturday. And then Monday, we've got Monday Night Football. So much football going on this week. I cannot wait. I went 3-2 and two last week with my picks. Um, bringing me back to 500 on the season. I'm sitting at 20-20. 20 and 20. Um yeah, so let's let's get to the picks. First one, Thanksgiving, Thursday night football, 49ers, Seahawks. 49ers are currently favored by seven. 49ers have been on an absolute roll since coming off their bye week. They destroyed the Jaguars. They destroyed the Buccaneers. And Brock Purdy is back to normal. He looks really good. Meanwhile, the Seahawks blew another lead against the Rams on Sunday. They've lost two of their last three. They've blown more leads than anybody else in the NFL this year with six. Compared to last year, I think the Seahawks' defense has taken a step back. They've had some injuries on the offensive line. It's just not great. It's not great. Geno Smith hasn't been as good. Very aggressive thrower of the football. He's turned the ball over a little bit more this year. i got to be honest. I'm, I'm taking the hot hand with this one. I'm taking the 49ers. They should cover the 7 points. They win 27-17, which clears the 42.5 points over under. Next game that I'm picking here. Bills-Eagles. Eagles are favored by 3.5. At home, with the over-under for this game set at 48 points. The Bills have been up and down all year. They have been an absolute roller coaster. Meanwhile, the Eagles have been as steady as a brain surgeon's hand. I know exactly what I'm getting from the Eagles every single week, and that is why I like them. While the Bills are capable of beating anyone on any given Sunday, they are also very capable of losing to the New York Jets or the Denver Broncos. The Eagles can only be beat by the Jets, apparently, and they have to turn the football over three times in order for that to happen. They went into Kansas City and won. That is one of the hardest things to do in the NFL. In weeks 6 through 10, the offense for the Bills has sputtered. Okay, It looked a lot better against the Jets under Joe Brady, but the new coach theory, if you don't know what that is, it's when a team performs better under new leadership because the old blood is out of the building. happens all the time. That was in effect last week. Okay, And also, if you need more evidence of the new coach theory, Go see the Raiders these last three weeks. New coach theory. It was in full effect in their game against the Jets. I think that the new coach theory wears off. I think the Eagles really get after Josh Allen all game long. I like the Eagles. They win and cover 28-24, which barely clears that 48-point total over under. Next game I've got picked here. Jags, Texans, Jaguars favored by 1.5, over under set at 47.5. This is a big game this week. Okay, the Jags responded well last week after getting thumped by the, by the 49ers two weeks ago. They ran it up on the Titans. The Texans, meanwhile, continue continue to find ways to win. Don't look now. C.J. Stroud, uh, D'Amico Ryans, they have won three games in a row. In this game, as I said, huge for both teams. The Jags currently have a one-game lead over the Texans for the lead in the AFC South. The Texans won their first meeting of the year in Jacksonville 37-17. Jacksonville, this is not only a revenge game. This is a 
big game to give them a two-game lead in the division. Because if they lose, they're going to drop into second place. Okay, and I, I'm, I'm taking the Jags. They win, and they cover the one-and-a-half points. I think the 49ers game was an, outlaw, was an outlier. Okay, they've won six of their last seven games. I think they keep it rolling. Jaguars win 24-20, which stays under that 47-and-a-half point total. I expect a big game from Trevor Lawrence. He's due for a big one. Hasn't had a big one in a while. Uh, C.J. Stroud didn't look great last week. Uh, this Jags defense has been really good all year. I think they get after him, get him off his spot, and he turns the football over a couple times like he did against the Cardinals. Speaking of the Cardinals, Rams, Cardinals, Cardinals favored by one and a half with the over-under set at 44 and a half. I was absolutely stunned to see that the Rams were underdogs in this game. I know that Kyler Murray's back, and I know he moves the needle a lot for the Cardinals, and I know that he's looked good since coming back. But there's something about these Rams. I think the last time I bet the Rams, I was wrong, and I told myself I wouldn't bet him again the rest of the year. Throw that out the window. Matthew Stafford pulled it together last week against the Seahawks to keep their playoff hopes alive. They've got two good receivers. They've got Sean McVay. And I'm just a sucker, I guess, for McVay, Stafford, and two good receivers. Okay, so I'm going to take them as the underdog this week. They cover the one and a half at a minimum. I think they went outright 27-23, which clears that 44 and a half total points. Final game of the week that I'm picking. The easiest pick of the week. Okay, if you don't have this on your card, I think you're a little crazy. Easiest pick of the week. Ravens, Chargers. Ravens favored by four. Over-under for this game set at 46.5. Brandon Staley is still somehow the head coach for the Los Angeles Chargers. He isn't going to be for much longer, so I say we make our money off of him while we can. The Ravens, who are potentially the best team in the NFL, with extra time to prepare because they played on Thursday Night Football last week, are only favored by four points against the biggest train wreck in the NFL. I understand the Ravens don't have Mark Andrews, but this isn't like previous years. Okay, they have other legitimate receiving threats. Now, Andrew's injury definitely hurts them, especially in the red zone, but it doesn't derail them like it has in years past. The Ravens win this game big. I would even be tempted to take an alternate line at Ravens minus 6.5. I don't see how this Chargers defense stops Lamar Jackson and this Ravens offense. The Ravens have one of the best defenses in the NFL. Ravens, they win. They cover easily 31-20. to which easily clears that 46.5 total points. So, yeah, sitting at 500 on the season. I feel like I've gone 2-3 and three or 3-2 three and two every week this year during the NFL season. Hopefully, I can go 4-1, and 5-0 and oh this week to really get a boost on everything else. I'm going to get to my college football picks later on in the show. We're going to run through just a couple of the other big games coming up. Green Bay plays Detroit tomorrow. That and the San Francisco game, those are really the only two games I care about. Dallas should easily beat Washington. Green Bay still have a chance at the playoffs. Really big game for them. Detroit may relax a little bit. We'll see how that one pans out. Other big divisional matchups, New Orleans and Atlanta are playing. Those are the top two teams in the NFC South. That game's at one on Sunday. Pittsburgh's playing Cincinnati. No Joe Burrow. Cincinnati, they still have a chance, though. You know, we know how Pittsburgh we know how bad Pittsburgh has been this year. Even though they're somehow six and four, they fire the offensive coordinator. Maybe that's the answer. Fun fact, uh, Matt Canada, first coach for the Steelers, or correction, first head coach, offensive or defensive coordinator for the Steelers, fired during the season since 1941. Absolutely insane. So that game 
is big. Tampa Bay, Indy, both still fighting for playoff hopes. They're trying to keep them alive. That game's on Sunday. New England and New York, if you want to see what could potentially be the worst football game of the year, that game is on Sunday. Uh, Cleveland-Denver, two more teams fighting to keep their playoff hopes alive. Um, Kansas City plays Las Vegas. That game shouldn't be close. And then I think we fit on all the other ones. The Monday night game, Chicago at Minnesota. More Josh Jobs, more Justin Fields, who looked really, really good the other day, uh, or who looks really, really good against the Lions the other day. So, yeah, I am really excited. A lot of good football games going on this weekend. Cannot wait. We're going to take a short break when we come back. We're going to get into all the college football games going on this weekend. Should be really good. Should be really fun. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back with more Shooting the Schmidt. And we're back with more Shooting the Schmidt college football. That starts on tomorrow, Thursday night. Mississippi State and Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl. I believe that that's what it's called. Big rivalry. Kicking off rivalry week. Jeez, I just I love rivalry week. It's the absolute best. No other way around it. Um, so when it comes to college football, of course, I'm going to give you my college football picks for the week. This is week 13. There's only two ranked matchups this week, so those are the only two games that I'm picking. But I'm going to give you a few potential upsets as well because it is rivalry week, as I've already said seven times now. Probably shouldn't say it anymore. So there's definitely going to be a couple upsets here and there, so I'm going to tell you who is on upset alert. Cooled off last week. I had been 8-1 and one in the previous two weeks, went 1-2 and two last week. Uh, so now I'm 19-14 and 14 on the season. Still a solid year, hoping to add two more to the win column this week. So let's get to the two games that I think are worth picking, the two games that I'm undoubtedly going to watch on Friday slash Saturday. Let's start with the Black Friday game I'm definitely going to watch. Oregon State is playing Oregon. Oregon favored by 13.5. Over-under for that game is set at 62.5. I was really impressed last week with Oregon State and the way that they played against Washington. They can run the ball. They've got good receivers, fast, quick on the edge. They play defense. Coach Jonathan Smith, not host Jonathan Smith, Coach Jonathan Smith has built a really good team in Corvallis. They're a tough out for anybody. Okay, Oregon, on the other hand, is an absolute machine. They've blasted everyone since losing to Washington earlier in the year with their most impressive win being over Utah on the road which Utah obviously ranked 18th now. They don't lose at home. So that win, still really impressive. Despite how good Oregon has been recently, I do think that given the style of play that Oregon State plays, it's going to be really hard for Oregon for Oregon to win by two touchdowns. Things going to be really tough in order for them to do that. So I'm going to take Oregon to win, but Oregon State covers. Ducks win 38-28, which clears that 62.5 total points. The other game, the big game, the game everybody can't wait to see on at noon. Big noon kickoff should be there. Ohio State is playing Michigan. Michigan favored by three and a half. Ohio State, Michigan, this is the biggest game of the week. Okay, the winner is going to play in the Big Ten Championship game and probably win the Big Ten title and then play in the college football playoff. If you've listened to my podcast at all, then you know who I'm taking. Not hard. I have no faith in Kyle McCord. And J.J. McCarthy has won this game before in Columbus. Now he gets it at home. This game's going to be in Ann Arbor. That place is going to be rocking. There's going to be free Harbaugh shirts all over the place. Or maybe some America's Team shirts. I don't know if they're America's Team. I think that's a little bit ridiculous. But there's no way I'm not going to pick Michigan here. I mean, I don't know how you don't pick them. I just, they're at home. 
They have the more experienced quarterback. Even if Ohio State's defense is better, which it might be, I trust Michigan to stop McCord more often than I trust Ohio State to stop McCarthy. I think Michigan wins a really close game, 28-24, clears that 46.5 point total over under. Now, let's get to a couple potential upsets by a couple, I mean three. No, I know. We'll go four, okay? I have to say this first one, I'm not giving up hope. My Arkansas Razorbacks have had an awful season this year. They're hosting Missouri, who seems to always beat Arkansas when Arkansas is at their best. Now, I think it would just be so fitting for Arkansas to beat ninth-ranked Missouri the year that they're not the year that they're not playing very well in the year that Missouri's having the best year under uh, Eli Drinkowitz. You know, Arkansas just came out and said Sam Pittman's coming back for another year. So these guys, like, they're playing for something. They're playing for playing time next year. If young guys get in, they have an opportunity to show who they are and what they can do. So I think Arkansas comes out. I think they play inspired. Last home game of the year. It's senior day. Great chance for Arkansas to show that they have some sort of pride. Uh, you can put Texas on upset alert. We saw Texas Tech. Uh, when a couple, they beat a couple ranked teams this year. That game's always crazy. You put Texas on upset alert. Um, definitely put Louisville on upset alert. Okay, I think they're, last time I saw they were double-digit favorites playing Kentucky, who got off to a great start. They've kind of slipped here recently. They're going to be up for this game. They're going to have an opportunity to spoil their in-state rival season. I'm excited to see it. Um, these are two really good coaches. Um, should be a great game, but Louisville 100% has to be on upset alert. They almost lost last week to Miami. If Louisville, if they don't show up ready to rock, they could definitely lose to Kentucky. He's a pretty decent football team, despite not being ranked. Next game that I wanted to highlight for potentially an upset, Washington State taking on Washington. Washington State beat Oregon State earlier in the year, and people love this Oregon State team, Okay, especially me. So Washington State, they could come out, they could toss it around the yard a little bit and potentially upset the Washington Huskies. Next game, the game that I think if there is an upset, I think this is the one that's most likely to happen. Florida State going on the road to take on Florida. This game is going to be, I believe it's going to be in Gainesville. Yeah, it's it's in Gainesville. This is not one of those neutral side games. Look, first game with a backup quarterback, no Jordan Travis, who's out for the rest of the year. Tough for Florida State. Florida, that's a good team. Okay, They're very similar to Miami, where if you aren't ready, when you show up in Gainesville to play, you can lose. Very possible. Now, Florida State, they've got a lot of talent surrounding this backup quarterback. Obviously, Keon Coleman, they can run the ball. The defense is good. Jared Verse, probably a top 10 pick. Potentially the first defensive end off the board. Very possible. This could undoubtedly happen where the Florida Gators upset the Florida State Seminoles. Now, before I wrap up the podcast and we get out of here, I want to quickly run you through some college football playoff scenarios because there are currently eight teams that could get in. Okay, Michigan, Florida State, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, Texas, Oregon, Washington. All these teams could very very easily make it in. So I think that the most intriguing scenario is Michigan finishes at 13-0. Florida State finishes at 13-0. Ohio State finishes at 12-1. Alabama finishes at 12-1. Georgia at 12-1. Texas finishes at 12-1. Oregon finishes at 12 and 1 and Washington finishes at 12 and 1. How do we decipher through or excuse me, cipher through all these different possible outcomes? How do we narrow it down to four teams? So I'm going to tell you what I would do and then I'm going to tell you what I think that the committee is going to do. 
Here's what I would do. Michigan would be the number one overall seed. Alabama would be ranked second. Oregon third. Georgia fourth. Because I think these are the four best teams in the country. I would have it in that order simply based off of who won. And obviously, Georgia and Alabama can't play each other in back-to-back games. That just wouldn't be very fun. So, Michigan obviously gets in because they're the undefeated Big Ten champ. They also look like one of the four best teams in the country. Alabama, one loss SEC champ with a win over Georgia, allows them to leapfrog the Texas Longhorns no matter what they do because they have this win over Georgia, and they get it in because of that. Oregon, one loss Pac-12 champ who lost close on the road to Washington and then beat them at a neutral site Pac-12 game. They're also the second-best team that I've seen this year, them and Georgia. They look like the two best teams. Therefore, they should both get in because the goal of this is is to put in the four best teams, okay? Georgia, that would be my four. One loss to Alabama in the SEC title game, and they're the best team we've seen this year. They've dominated everybody that they've played, ranked or not. Got it. The Georgia has to be in there. They're one of the four best teams. If they go 12-1, and one, they should have the right to defend their title. Now, why would I not put in the other four teams? Ohio State, simply they don't look like a top-four team. Kyle McCord doesn't look like the quarterback of a top-four team in the country. The offense hasn't been great. Okay, Their one good win is over Penn State, who isn't that good. They're not that good. Okay, If you've watched Penn State play, you know the offense is lacking, and you know the defense is pretty good. But let's be honest. Ohio State's only good win would be over a Penn State team that I'm not sure is that good. So I can't put them in. Florida State, Jonathan, they went 13-0. They won the ACC. How can you not put an undefeated Power 5 team in there? They don't have Jordan Travis, and they are not a top-four team in the country without Jordan Travis. Don't don't have to watch them play to know that. Okay, Florida State, not a top-four team without Jordan Travis. They shouldn't make it because of that. Texas, Jonathan, why wouldn't you put Texas in? One loss, Big 12 champ. They have the worst loss of any of these teams. Yes, they beat Alabama on the road, but that was in Week 2. They haven't gotten better. Alabama has. That loss to OU didn't seem too, too bad at the time, but... It looks like it's going to be the worst loss of these eight teams if everybody wins out. Washington. I don't think they look like a top-four team either. I think they're the peak version of USC. We're played really close by Oregon at home and then losing in the Pac-12 championship game. I I, I got to slide them out. They'd probably be ranked fifth. That's probably where I would put them. Um, in this scenario, if I was allowed to do what I think should happen. Um, and ultimately, like Washington just isn't as good as those four teams that I have in the top four. Okay, I don't think they're better than Michigan, Alabama, Oregon, or Georgia. So I would I would leave them out because, as I said, the goal is to put in the four best teams. That's the goal. Not the four most deserving, the four best. Here's what I think the committee will actually do. If that happens, okay, Michigan gets in as the one. Florida State will be ranked second. Alabama third. Oregon fourth. Michigan would be the undefeated Power 5 champion, right? They'd be one of them, having won the Big Ten. Florida State would be another undefeated Power 5 champion. We have yet to see an undefeated Power 5 champion not make the playoff. So if those two things happen, it'd be really hard to deny them spots. Number three, Alabama. One loss SEC champ. That was to Texas several, several months ago. Okay? And a win over Georgia would 100% justify them being ranked in front of Texas. And then fourth, Oregon, one loss Pac-12 champ, okay, as I said earlier, played Washington close on the road, were able to beat them on a neutral field, right? Big deal. 
Why would the other four teams not be selected by the college football playoff? Georgia played a soft non-conference schedule. That's going to hurt them at some point. It's not their fault. They were supposed to play Oklahoma this year, but with Oklahoma joining the conference next year, the SEC had them not play each other. Don't know why. That's just what happened. Washington's win over Oregon was at home. As small and nitpicky as that is, when these eight teams are this close together and the resumes are all so similar, small things like that matter. They just do. Texas already hit it on it earlier. They have the worst loss of the eight teams. And Ohio State doesn't have any great wins because Penn State isn't that good. And Notre Dame only has three and Notre Dame has three losses. Sorry. That's just how it goes sometimes. So that's what I would do versus what I think the committee will do. Obviously, the games are yet to be played. All these teams could lose. And then we'd be looking at an even bigger mess than we already are. So that's kind of what I'm rooting for. I want the chaos. It makes the pod a lot more fun. Thank you for listening to this podcast. As I said in the beginning, no podcast on Friday. Have a happy Thanksgiving. I will talk to you all again on Monday.